Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello and welcome everyone to Spotty. You finally caught up streaming to you live from Melbourne town here at the Ticker News Studio in glamorous Richmond, where we shine the spotlight on your shares and answer your questions live on air. And a big welcome to all our friends in the greater Brisbane region locked down uh, for the moment uh, for two more days, apparently, but <laughs> I'd be betting there'd be more. Um, if you've discovered our show for the first time, welcome. We hope you uh, enjoy the share entertainment as we uh, provide you there and take the opportunity to ask a question. So how do you do that? Well, you can text Dexter. Dexter's waiting to take your text message 0480 079 089. Or of course, you can email us question at spotty.com.au. Note that's question without the S. Uh, you will see these details appear at the bottom of the screen throughout the show, of course, but as I remind our regular viewers, by all means, save it into your smartphone. Just makes it easier when you have that uh, question that you need answered. So let's bring in today's Chief Spotters, starting with the, uh, well, underwater cricketer extraordinaire, it's Stuart Bromley. Hey, Stuart, how are you doing? Oh yeah, great to be back. Now, of course, I didn't mean that Medallion Financial Group, you being uh, cricketers per se, but of course your cricket final got washed out in the recent uh, downpour. Were you able to play that uh, replay match? We didn't. So you play all year, uh, finally make a semi-final and uh, wash out ends your season. So not pleasant. I'll be back next year. Mate, that sounds like uh, the story of my life, to be honest with you. I'm going to get you to write my biography. But look, uh, <laughs> other than your writing prowess and your ability to get it through the covers, let's talk about um, your business in particular, the cog that makes the machine, which is the Millionaire's Factory at Medallion Financial Group. Why don't you tell us a bit about your investing background, how you like, you know, how you view the world, and then how Medallion helped clients every single day? Yeah, so look, I'm one of the advisors here at Medallion. I've been with Medallion around four years now. Um, basically, what we focus on is the ASX 300, looking to buy quality businesses uh, on pullbacks, helping customers. There's a lot of investors out there who've got portfolios that have either lost attention or lost strategy or never had a good strategy. And that's what we look to do is bring those uh, a clear strategy and path to do well in the share market. Uh, simple and concise. Good work. And of course, that's medallionfinancial.com.au if you want to learn more about the services that they provide there. Well, next is a man who walks up and down walls on his hands repeatedly. Well, that's fun, apparently, and I suppose it's a different way to look at markets. It's Nick Radge from the Charters. G'day, Nick. How are you doing? G'day, Elio. I'm on the wrong side of 50. I've got to do what I can to uh, keep up keep up with you young blokes. So, oh, um, good on you, mate. Yeah, I'm yeah. very well. Thank you. And embarrass us, of course. I mean, if anyone doesn't know, just jump on Nick Radge's social channels, folks. He keeps us up to date with regards to his exercise regime. And let me tell you, um, it definitely puts you back 
in your box. But other than your ability to walk up walls upside down, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Nick, because you've got a great background. I love hearing your story when you come on the show. And then more importantly, the great business you've built at the Chartist and how you help investors every single day. Sure. So uh, thanks, Ellie. I've been trading since I left school in 1980. Well, I left school in 1984. I started trading 1985, lost everything in 1987, like a stupid 20-year-old with no risk management would do, mm. and um, sort of learnt my lesson and built it up from there. So my wife and I, Trish, have uh, started this business back in 1998 and in its current format from 2005. We tried to fill a hole of uh, doing professional technical analysis on the ASX. And since then, uh, we've also morphed out into more algorithmic trading, which is what I really specialize in. So uh, we help clients around the world. We run various portfolios. Most of them are algorithmic. Some are short term, some are longer term. And uh, the whole idea is to have a, a proven set of rules that just needs to be followed and hopefully get some returns out at the end of it. And even better, you do some great education pieces as well, one, one of which you've made available to all Spotty viewers, of course. You can go to thechartist.com.au forward slash Spotty. Um, and there's a great little investment document, really the A to Z in regards to how you build out an investment plan. And then if it all gets too hard, well, Nick can help you at thechartist.com.au. Well, currently as we go to air, the market, well, it started much better, but it has eased off throughout the morning. The All Ordinary is currently down 0.2%, the XJO down 0.17%. So let's look at the market news. And well, in you know further deconstruction of the vertically integrated business model, really, with AGL today announcing that it will create two energy businesses via a structural separation. Now, the company will be split into the new AGL, which will be the retail side of the business, and Primeco, which will generate the electricity. Uh, big enough, uh, oh, sorry, I should say, big move this one, uh, Stuart, don't you think? Because uh, let's face it, AGL shareholders have suffered for some time. Is this move here the one that they've been waiting for? Is this going to give them the relief uh, that, uh, you know, they've uh, basically patiently been sitting on the sidelines uh, awaiting? Hopefully it does help them. It's not a business that we've considered even you know, looked at in the last five years. Uh, they've been consistently falling since 2017. They've just delivered, a, I believe it was a $2.3 billion loss for the first half of FY21. Uh, but what this does, this split allows two very different businesses to focus on their own agenda. Um, so you've got obviously Primeco, which is the, the assets and those power plant assets, and then new AGL, which is the retail side of the business. So what we saw was as there was a flood of renewables coming into the grid uh, that then put pressure on these wholesale power providers. Uh, so ideally, this is just a, a sort of cutting of ties with that, you would say, the dirty side of the business. And then the, the retail arm can then focus on things like being carbon neutral in these sorts of areas that it's very hard to do if you've got a power plant area of the business. So uh, it could be positive times ahead for them. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, it's not that easy for you, Nick. I want to ask you about AGL because I was, uh, you know, as I do, because I've got nothing better to do, just scrolling through charts and admiring the artwork. And one that did pop up uh, in the last few days was AGL, actually. Um, be very interested in your take in regards to the chart. Currently, the stock up half a percent to $10.22, though it is off its uh, intraday high thus far. Um, but um, yeah, look, I found it interesting. Did you, Nick? Well, depends what you 
turns you turns you on, doesn't it? I mean, at the end of just the, the day, short if we term, I'm not talking. Rally... <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, short term, there's nothing to get excited about. I mean, this announcement may may make a difference, but announcements aside and the information we have at hand at the moment, it all looks pretty dire. We're back at the 2008 levels. Yeah. Best case scenario, I think, would be a bounce to $12.50. That would be absolutely tops. Um, to give you an idea of the history, this stock traded a range between $12.50 and $15.00. Uh, for about seven years and uh, you know it's just highly unlikely it's going to go above that so worst case I think um, we go below those 2008 lows but as Stuart said it's it's really in a a dire downtrend at the moment and they need to do something desperate and hopefully this new announcement or this breakout will do that for shareholders. Yeah, and I, look, the closest thing I ever found uh, as a cult on the Australian uh, stock market was South Australians investing in Santos. Those buggers would never let go of that stock. Um, but look, hopefully it is the um, thing. Why did I say Santos? Because that's actually the next stock, not this one here. That was AGL, of course. Santos has said that they expect to proceed with their $3.6 billion gas project at the Barossa. No, not South Australia, rather offshore in the Northern Territory. Uh, Nick, uh, the price has found some support, a very different looking chart than AGL. Um, so I don't know how I got confused, but let's look at this one here with Santos. Um, you know, since the, the March sell-off, of course, it has regained its footing somewhat. Uh, be interested in your view in regards to this. Is it likely to test that near-term high uh, anytime soon? Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, you're mm. quite right. We bounced off those COVID sell-off. We hit the 2015 lows. Um, and the market has bounced from those up towards that $9 level. And I think we're going to test up that way again this time around. It's a choppy rally, so I wouldn't get excited about any kind of sustained uptrend. So um, I would suggest $9 um, will be on the cards over the coming months. Um, and, you know, that area up there at $9 was big support all the way back to 2007 and has been tested five or six times, including that rejection we saw uh, just prior to the COVID sell-off last year. So it's going to be a tough nut to crack to get up through there, but confident we can get up that way. Okay, then, excellent. And the last topic today, and keeping in line with what uh, Stuart mentioned there before, uh, Calix, a stock we've talked about quite a few times on this program, has, uh, with Adbury, uh, executed a heads of agreement uh, covering the co-development of uh, calcina uh, for lime uh, production, actually, uh, with uh, CO2 capture for a period of some five years. And as I written in, wrote, sorry, I should say, in a recent AFR article, uh, the whole concept of carbon capture has returned to favour after being much on the nose for quite a decade now, I should say. Um, look, you know, interesting to take away, though, that they did say in that announcement um, that the EU have announced their intention to uh, erect trade barriers on the basis of carbon, uh, and other countries are expected to follow suit. So, folks, and a special shout-out to all my cantankerous cardi wearing investing mates, uh, Green, well, Green Energy is here in a big way and it's here to stay. It ain't no fad anymore. All right, time to uh, go into your questions, folks. So just a reminder, of course, that all the information in today's show is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your objectives, financial situations or needs. And therefore, should you decide to act on any information, you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. 
course, past performance is no indicator of future performance. And if you wish to discuss with anyone other than your significant other in life about any of this content, then you need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to have that conversation with you. And of course, remember, we do hold interest in stocks. We try to remember to disclose that when we talk about them, but in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, sometimes we forget. So uh, feel free to contact uh, each of us directly in order to seek any clarification as to a position we may hold in a business at any time. And Spotty is proud to be powered by our sponsors at ShareWealth Systems. So go to sharewealthsystems.com to learn how they've helped Australian investors outperform over many decades now by giving them an edge over others. Why don't you become the tortoise and win the race of investing life? Go to sharewealthsystems.com to learn more. All right then, gentlemen, time to go straight into the questions. Uh, one that looks very similar to AGL in terms of chart, but a very different business. And I'm gonna open up with this one with you, Stuart, on this. It's integrated research. The code is IRI for those playing along at home. The question comes from Graham. Would like to hear our opinion on integrated research. And do we think that uh, they can turn this company around with their new subscription-based software as a service solution? Uh, so he's pretty concise. He's hanging on hope. Stuart, do you uh, share his optimism? Oh, it's, it's hard to because they have fallen off so much. But uh, as a business, we've liked them in the past and then they've disappointed us. But the thing is, they still have those big name clients. So clients include BT, Ford, Verizon, Dell, uh, Fannie Mae, Optus, CBA, big names. Uh, and they, they provide a performance management for IT uh, analytics, really, to large global customers. With us, we're just watching it and saying, gosh, how do you pick a bottom on this? Uh, and that's probably something you know, Nick might be able to shed some light on. But for us, we'd just rather see them turn and see this software as a service recurring revenues model actually roll out well as planned and make sure everything goes smoothly. So we're not buying now, but uh, it's not a business that we hate fundamentally. They do have uh, you know, decent financials across the board. I believe they're consistently growing revenues profits, dividends, stable margins, things like that over a longer term. It's just a matter of this transition happening smoothly so they can get onto that recurring revenue model. Okay, thank you. Look, I'll spare you the question there because it looks pretty similar to uh, AGL if you ask me, so everyone can replay the uh, um, commentary there, uh, Nick, unless you've got something uh, other to say. But I do want to bring two stocks to your attention. The question comes from Vic and he sent this earlier. And of course, you can go to spotty.com.au to see which guests are appearing uh, uh, throughout the week. So Vic did that over the weekend. He sent it in early. Um, no pressure on this one, Nick, by the way. I'll just say in advance. His question was, he'd like to hear your view on two stocks, one being uh, REA, the old realestate.com, uh, and Macquarie Group, MQG. And I say no pressure because he's looking for a possible entry price for the next five years. So, um, yeah, look, uh, uh, how about we just look at the current state of play? Um, so we're going to have to compromise there, Nick. Why don't you give us our view or your view, sorry, in regards to these two behemoths, plenty of liquidity and obviously both being discussed about quite a bit at the recent time. Sure. So let's start with REA. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things we need to look at is how stocks have performed since that COVID sell-off. And REA is one of those stocks has, that has been able to recover and recover reasonably easily. And so we're at new all-time highs or just below new all-time highs. But importantly, we've recovered those pre-COVID highs. Uh, that's a very good positive. Currently, we're having a healthy pause. Volume has dropped off. We like to see volume dropping off when prices are falling ever so slightly from all-time highs. Uh, I would only really be concerned if we fell below 
right below 120, which was the breakout level. Um, I would expect possibly a test of 120, so long as that happens on low volume. And I would gain confidence in the near term if we broke up through 145. So we're not too far from that 145 right here, right now. And uh, look, it looks okay, strong momentum. Um, so I've got no problems with that one. The other one, Macquarie Bank, uh, let me just bring that one up for you. Okay, so Macquarie Group, I should say. Um, so here's an example of a stock that's just trying to break back through those COVID highs. It's trying to do that right now. Mm. Good support back at 125. Um, in terms of banks, look, in terms of momentum, it's ranked the 24th strongest stock in the ASX 300, but there are a few banks that rank on momentum terms above it. So something like Bank of Queensland, Bendigo, ANZ, NAB, they're all in terms of momentum stronger stocks and they would probably be the ones to look at ahead of Macquarie. Agreeably, Macquarie is a slightly different business model. It'll be interesting to see how Macquarie fares in the coming week after this hedge fund debacle that's going mm. on at the moment over in the US. Uh, a lot of banks last night got crushed on the, on the back of that. I'm not sure what Macquarie is doing today, but all in all, we're testing pre-COVID highs, which is all-time highs for Macquarie. That's a positive thing. If we can hold up here for a week or two and consolidate, or even a month or two and consolidate, I think that would be a very positive sign for ongoing strength in the future. Excellent. Hopefully that provides you some insight there, Vic. Look, uh, Stuart, I can't let you go away without having a comment about these two behemoths because everyone's got a view on them. So, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, quickly uh, a view on both those stocks, REA and uh, Macquarie. Yeah, REA, look, digital advertising business, specialising in property. So everyone knows about realestate.com.au, but I don't think people appreciate how widespread they are and how large they actually are on a global scale. So they're $18.5 billion company. They've got exposures in, in China, Malaysia, Hong Kong, USA, Singapore. Uh, really, I think for us, it's a company we do quite like because it is a capital light business. We like those types of digital companies. Uh, but yesterday, they actually announced the proposed acquisition of Mortgage Choice uh, for $244 million. What that brings is a, is a very large opportunity because they have that uh, market that they can really leverage. Uh, so they've got this large and engaged property seeker market. Now they can bring in Mortgage Choice and their scale to really capitalise on that. So I think that's a big upside potential for these guys. Mm. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of uh, the, the big institutions, uh, institutional brokers are raising their price targets because of that. So definitely an interesting business and, uh, and one we do like. Uh, with Macquarie, obviously it's hard to bet against them. Uh, they've been a long-term proven performer. Obviously getting to buy them when they fell from 150 down to the 70s during COVID would have been an amazing opportunity. But um, but now still as a business, they're moving along well. Uh, I believe just recently they, what have they got? They've uh, Just looking a little bit further afield there. Um, we, we are glad to take advantage of pullbacks though with regards to Macquarie. So it's hard to buy them at the top, but uh, they have a 51 year record of unbroken profitability. So it's very hard to bet against them. Yeah, well, yeah, don't look at uh, don't look at me. But you do raise an interesting point, Bet. Um, it's a stock that you've actually talked about uh, before on this program. Actually, when you were last on, you were quite bullish about the stock, Stuart. BET is the code. Betmakers Technology is the name of the business. Um, how about an update there? Because it was a report in the Australian last night. I saw 
that came out that said they were possibly looking to front up with $5 billion to buy the wagering business of Tabcorp, which would have been a really interesting play given their own market cap's less than a billion. But um, I noticed the price is down today, uh, maybe because they gave that update and they didn't actually mention anything about it. it what, what did you make of the whole presentation, the news yesterday, and what's your current view? Is it still the same as when you were last on? Yeah, I think it's still an exciting business. They're a wholesale provider of racing and racing data and fixed odds uh, for business to business, really. Uh, for us, we've just watched them. They've got these big client base, Sportsbet, Bet365, Ladbrokes, William Hill, Tabcorp, PointsBet. All of these are you know, very strong customers. And their fixed odds software essentially allows bookies to significantly reduce costs. So fewer traders equals lower costs. So it's an easy sell, that product. Uh, with this recent news around Tabcorp, Matt Tripp, everyone would have known, last time I spoke, I mentioned Matt Tripp has taken a $25 million investment in this company. Uh, he's a very hands-on investor. Uh, so for him to do that, and then now we hear this news swirling around Tabcorp, obviously he's in the mix with all of that. I think Tripco was also rumoured to be in that mix mm. as well. So. It's all sorts of things floating around. It's something I love the idea of holding it while that sort of news is floating around because you just don't know what is going to eventuate. So uh, they're debt-free, strong cash balance, heavy investors. Are, I think uh, Waterhouse has also invested in these guys early as well. So Matt Tripp, Waterhouse, there's all the right people in the mix. Uh, it's one I'd be happy to hold. Um, look, the price there, uh, Nick, today may very well, you know, confuse some people because it had that that recent uh, rally up. But I mean, retracements are healthy, aren't they? Absolutely. In disclosure, I do hold this one uh, in one of our momentum portfolios. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen a situation where this stock steps up, consolidates, steps up, consolidates, and it's doing it again. So there's no surprise about that. I don't be concerned if we pull back and drop below 80 cents. Okay. Um, that's a fair way away at the moment, obviously, but yeah. uh, that would be the line in the sand for me. Um, so the rejection after the push higher in the last couple of days suggests that we're going to fall back into that range between 80 cents and a dollar. Um, it does mean there's a little bit of selling around, but when you think about it, we've come from 50 cents just a few weeks ago up to where we are now. So it's run hard, needs a break, that's healthy. So long as volume is light, I wouldn't be concerned. All right, well, let's keep it in that uh, pullback sort of uh, uh, general discussion, Nicole. The question comes from Anthony, and there's two stocks in particular, and then I'll, I'll uh, add some colour to it. The two stocks are Nanaloose, uh, which is NC6, so N for Nelly, C for Cat, 6, and uh, Fat Fish, uh, double FG is their code at home. It has that um, that pop and drop uh, pattern, uh, Mount Fuji, we'll call it what you like, whereby it has that spike and then it retraces. And, and it is actually a topic you do cover um, in that little uh, investment uh, blueprint that everyone can download. Remember, uh, the thecharters.com.au forward slash spotty, where, you know, that need of, to take a windfall after the uh, after that sort of you know massive run up uh, that lottery win uh, for the use of a better term. Now Anthony just would like to know some possible entry exit points uh, and just wants to know whether uh, there could potentially be more upside. Um, you know, can there be some upside in the share? Can it? Well, effectively, if I can try to presume, Anthony, can it get back to that recent high for both? Uh, uh, FFG and NC6. And uh, yeah, throw us in some education if you can, Nick. 
So NC6 broke out of a range back earlier this, um, this year, mid-January it broke out and pushed very strongly from about 10 cents, went up to about 23, 22 and a half cents very, very quickly. Now that was met with quite a lot of selling. Selling is shown on the chart by a low close, that is the close off the session's high and high volume. Can't mean anything else but sellers. And when you see sellers, until that selling dries up, the share price can't go any can't go any higher. So we saw that, and uh, where there was two attempts up there, and the second time the same thing happened. So a lot of selling up there. Prices have pulled back, and what we've seen now is another probe up towards that sort of 12 and a half, 15 cents. And again, that was met by sellers. So what that suggests is some of those late buyers up above 20 cents are now trying to get out on any strength they can. Mm. So until that selling pressure uh, is removed or is uh, accumulated, the stock's not gonna go up. So keep an eye on what happens each time it probes up. If it closes low again, sellers are still around, you wanna stay behind. So look, I don't wanna call this a pump or dump, but at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of selling around, a lot of speculative buying drove it up there and it's struggling to get any higher at the moment. And really prior to this, not much was going on for the last couple of years. Mm. So that's NC6, um, 12 and a half is really the line in the sand you wanna look at. Um, the fishy, fishy one, whatever you called it, FFG. Yeah, that's the one. That's your absolute classic uh, suckers trade, that one. Um, obviously, some kind of an announcement was made there um, around or on the 16th of February. A lot of speculative buying came in. Volume was just massive. And it did nothing but just let sellers move in the insiders move and go thank you very much we'll take that let's let's face it the stock was trading at three cents a week later it was up at 40 cents it's too good not to take yeah. and that's exactly what happened and uh now we're back down at 10 cents so i've got nothing to add there you don't want to be a part of that and if you are in it you you've lost your opportunity to get out of this now and uh, i i just can't see this moving any higher any anytime soon and more than likely it's going to go sub five cents uh, again very quickly yeah just uh, always uh, put a tattoo on your forehead if it helps anthony don't chase don't ever ever chase wait for the price to settle first and then make a measured decision in regards to whether you want to take an exposure or not but often if you chase that's the sort of thing that can happen. We've passed halfway, folks. So just a reminder, if you've got a question, send it through right now. Question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480-079-089. Stuart and uh, Nick are happy to answer your questions. Uh, remember uh, the website, spotty.com.au, if you want to see replays of the show. And we're available on podcasts as well. Uh, and remember to take some time to download the Share Wealth Systems white paper, 16trades.com. To learn the qualities required to be a successful investor as authored by Gary Stone himself, such as the need to surrender to a process. And when it comes to investing, you have to approach it with a cold and calculated mind. You have to leave your ego at the door and trade following a process that can give you an edge if you stick to it with discipline. In the ebook, Gary refers to the old story of Richard Dennis, who bet William Eckhart that he could teach anyone to trade successfully by simply giving them the right tools and process. And when the experiment ended in five years, a significant amount of money was made and the legend of the turtles was created. And of course, the inspiration for the film, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Um, though having a movie made about your success personally, well, that's a bit beyond the skill of us here at Spotty. So download the ebook, 16traits.com, from our friends at Sharewell Systems to start on the road to your 
15 minutes of fame. Well, hopefully a lifetime of fame. All right, then, as we go to air, currently the market's uh, down a little further, unfortunately. The XJO down 0.3%. The XJ, oh, sorry, XJO down 027 uh, The All Ordinary is down 0.3%. So let's see if we can help with a positive candor, gentlemen. Uh, starting with uh, Kevin. I love Kevin because he's very succinct and to the point with his questions, Stuart. Uh, can you assess Qantas, please? QAN is the code for those playing along at home. What's your view, Stuart? Yeah, look, uh, it's already up over 100% since the low, still 45% off pre-COVID highs, so there's room to go. But for us, it's very hard to like airlines. It's a very competitive space, many moving parts. You've got full fuel prices that can really impact the business heavily, uh, high staff costs, maintenance costs, and then they're competing with international airlines that uh, you know, often they're government backed and things like this. So they don't have the same pressures to perform. Uh, they do fit the vaccine winner play. Uh, so they should benefit from borders reopening. But for us, we'd rather look at the actual infrastructure assets involved with airlines and look at the likes of say a Sydney airport or an Auckland international airport. Uh, alternatively, a capital light business like a Webjet, uh, they'd probably be our turnaround picks in that space as opposed to Qantas. Uh, Nick, plenty of liquidity in this one, so I can't uh, go without your uh, comment on it. Uh, QAN, what's the uh, chart looking like? So the trend is chopping higher. It's not a convincing uptrend, uh, more of a corrective move, if you like, off that big COVID sell-off. That's not to say that it can't go higher, but uh, we like to jump on strong trends rather than these kind of ones that chop around moving higher. Uh, support at $4.50. Uh, resistance at $6, a lot more confidence if we can get up through $6. Just struggling at the moment, I think, you know, with what's going on with Brisbane, one would think mm. that we're going to stay below $6 for the moment. Um, but if we can get up there, we should be able to test back up to those highs uh, towards $7.50 pre-COVID. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Nick. Uh, Stuart, I'll go to you from, uh, uh, just uh, Craig asked about this one, uh, interesting little business. Uh, symbol Solutions. The code is SIS for those of you playing along at home. He's uh, noted that it's started to move and he'd like us to shine the light on why that might be the case. So SIS, have you done any research into this one, Stuart? I have very recently obviously done a little research into this one, so it's much smaller than the typical stock we'd look for. Okay. But it's an interesting business all the same. So it's a global software company focused on energy intelligence and business productivity. So it basically empowers homes and businesses to understand their energy usage, reduce consumption and costs. The positive is they have won actual contracts uh, and they're also taking part in various uh, various funded pilot programs. So one of those is measuring sorry, the energy and carbon emissions of 10 farms, and that's funded by New South Wales government. The other is monitoring 16 homes in the UK, which is have, have retrofits added uh, to see if they can reduce their carbon, you know, increase carbon neutrality. So mm -hmm. if those retrofits work, uh, that could be rolled out across public housing in the UK. So there's all sorts of interesting things happening for them. For us, though, if you look at the fundamentals, they're not terribly strong. It's very early days for this business. So their revenues have been declining the last four years, I believe, if that's correct from what I've seen. Uh, one of the recent highlights is a three-year deal with David Brown Group. But the problem with that is the total contract value is only 200K yeah. uh, over three years. Yeah. And that's one of their biggest news stories. So ideally, uh, we can't get excited about them yet. But if they can keep bolting on those uh, those types of contracts, then, then that you know, could be a positive for them. There are positive tailwinds as far as energy management and carbon reporting being a way of the future. So 
there's a market there for them. It's just a matter of whether they can seal those contracts and, and continue to pick up business and grow those revenues. Well, it seems someone got excited by it, Nick. Uh, the, uh, just the other day, it hit the high for 2021. Still a little bit off that high back in uh, November more recently. And then the past, well, you can write your own book. Um, but I did note that uh, on that recent rally up, the volume did pick up a little bit. And even on this pullback, the volume's dropped off. So um, is there light in the old dog yet with regards to SIS? Or is it, uh, again, just a bit of a gambler's uh, call? Am I hearing that you are maybe turning the corner towards a technic technical analyst now? I mean, that's your. Mate, there are many. There are many faiths. Like there are many faiths. Yeah, there are many faiths in our investing church, Nick, and I fulfil all of them for all our uh, the congregation that tune into this program, my good man. So uh, yes, I uh, float many boats. <laughs> <laughs> and you're quite right. So we've had three probes up towards that sort of five, five and a half cent area. Unfortunately, the two prior to this one were met with quite a bit of selling. So the selling, as I mentioned earlier, we have a low close for the for the day or the week on high volume, and that means sellers are in place. So what we've basically got here is what we call a basing pattern. That's a bullish formation, but we only act if it gets up through that upper edge. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but the risks of taking a position prior to a breakout is it could stay in this range for an extended period of time. So a breakthrough five and a half cents would be the line in the sand. And it would be interesting uh, to see how we close this week. It's obviously only early in the week, but we did close last week at the top end of the range, which is a very good positive. So if we can get up there and break through and stay there, then I think it's got some upside potential and up towards maybe that 12 and a half, 15 cent area would be a, a, an initial start for this one. Okay, well, it's not just me that's a budding little technical analyst, although I've done for a bit now. Um, the, uh, there's also Will, uh, Nick, and he's asked about a company, Minboss Resources, code MNB. Not uh, all that interested in the fundamentals, as he likes to refer to them, um, but he did, uh, he got, in his words, got caught in the following uh, pump from a notorious newsletter that you probably all know of, so we'll leave that alone. Um, but with regards to it, he is holding a slight loss so this is uh, the education hat on, uh, Nick, in regards to position sizing, risk management and the like, particularly on stocks which are small that can have these big savage moves. Um, you know, how would, you know, someone you know, who's just had a stock presented to them, it's had a bit of a recent run up, what's the sort of mindset they need to approach a stock like this when considering, uh, you know, a bit of a dabble? Uh, because let's face it, you know, he's uh, in it for a good time, not necessarily a long time. Um, and then how does he know when he's wrong? Yeah, so I guess there's there's three attributes. How do we get in? How do we manage the risk? And how do we know we're wrong to get out? So how do we get in? Um, so what we like to see is a stock that's ideally in a steady uptrend. Now, this one doesn't meet that. It was a big spike up. But that's quite common with these speculative kind of uh, stocks. So in this situation, when we get a push up very quickly or a spike up very quickly, ideally what we want to see is some sideways consolidation, a couple of weeks worth, maybe a month or two, and that should be on low volume. And when you get a break out of that, that's when you want to get on board. 
this situation so far, we've got the spike up and it's gone straight back down again because of the pump and there was a lot of selling going in there. And again, same situation, we've gone from four cents to 12 cents very, very quickly. People can't help themselves but take a profit, but that doesn't provide any stability. In terms of the risk management, key rule, you never wanna lose more than 2% of your capital. I think my average loss for all my trading, and I do a ton of trading, mm -hmm. is about 0.4 of 1%. So I can be wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. I still don't lose a great deal of money. So uh, the situation is don't take big bets because you won't be around very long. I've been around for 35 years for one reason is I may not be the most profitable guy on the street, but I take small bets and allow long-term compounding to do the heavy lifting for me. And in terms of getting out, well, if the stock's going against you, you're probably wrong. Ideally, we want a stock to continue to move in the right direction. We're happy to get a, give it a little bit of wiggle room, say 5% variance. Obviously, trading these kind of highly or small cap stocks, you've got to give it a little bit more in percentage terms. But um, as soon as it starts going against you quickly, then you're obviously wrong and you want to get out of it. There's, there's various ways to do that. It's more difficult with these kinds of stocks because they're not sustainable type of trends. Mm. So you've got to be on, uh, on your front foot and get out very, very quickly if it starts going against you. Yeah, I've seen photos of Will though, Nick, and he goes cross-eyed all the time. So he'll be watching that very closely. I'm sure he's just watched your response and listen, most importantly. Uh, I'll ask you for your two stocks to shine a light on in a moment, Nick. But before I do that, uh, one question from uh, Adeline for you, um, Stuart, if I can. The company is Oventus Medical, code OVN. Price has come off uh, recently, according to a young Adeline. Now, uh, there is some good news possibly coming out, and he's just wondering, you know, is it worth him possibly considering uh, this, uh, given this technology seems to be quite innovative? So uh, your view in regards to its choice? Yeah, so it is an innovative technology. So th this is basically an alternative to ResMed or the ResMed type products. So CPAP refers to the continuous positive air airway pressure masks and the, the machines and masks that sound like a ResMed offer. It's the most definitive technology and it does work pushes air in. It can be loud and uncomfortable yep. by some people. The problem is over in the US, the 6 million adults are prescribed CPAP, but 50 to 60% of those actually quit. So yep. that leaves 3 million in need of an alternative treatment. That's a $2.4 billion market opportunity. So that's very encouraging. Uh, with this device, it's, it's looks kind of like a mouth guard. It's fitted with the help of dentists. So they do scans, dentists then uh, come up with the product. Uh, and basically it fits into the mouth and opens up the airways for these uh, customers. So really it is quite an interesting product and it, and it could pick up the slack left of all these people that leave the CPAP machines. Uh, what we have seen is the first half uh, FY21, they booked revenue up 192%. So that's very encouraging. They are onboarding new uh, labs and member groups, which is also exciting. The problem is uh, it's got a five year downtrend uh, for us, it's a positive alternative to, to ResMed, but we prefer ResMed because they are the market leader. They're very good at what they do and the product definitely works. This one's a much more early stage alternative. So if we did see that traction pick up, get some revenues building, uh, get that installed base and labs growing, uh, it's certainly one to monitor into the future if they can uh, start to really get traction as that uh, CPAP alternative. 
Uh, and the other benefit, Stuart, even if it doesn't work with stopping your snoring, that when your uh, darling wife turns over to hit you in the head to stop you, um, nothing's going to damage that wonderful smile of yours. Uh, okay, it's time for us to see the light with 10 minutes to go. <laughs> uh, um, it's proudly brought to you, of course, by Macro Capital, who deliver to your market insights, execution services, and investment ideas all in the one package. So go to their website, macro, that's macro.com.au to learn more. All right, Nick. Time for you to step up to the plate. Tell us about two stocks uh, that you're going to shine the light on that we're going to listen attentively to, see whether they align with their own personal investment uh, investment objectives and, of course, tolerance to risk. So take it away, Maestro. Okay, the first one is Bluescope, BSL. I'm going uh, top end of the uh, market at this stage. Um, Some recent results were pretty solid. Operating cash flow has doubled. Sorry, I'm talking fundamentals. Yeah, (laughs) careful, Um, Nick. (laughs) Do me out of a job. Um, (laughs) <laughs> probably better at it than, uh, probably so, better at both than I am so yeah <laughs> no I don't you don't know what you don't know yeah, um, so we've broken out to new decade highs and there's nothing bearish about that we probably went a little bit too hard so the stock has come off a little bit in the last few trading sessions um, and that's always a good sign from the um, 2020 lows down there in March we've recovered very very nicely as I said, all-time highs here. In terms of momentum, um, Blue Scope is ranked number five uh, momentum in the top 100 stocks and number five in the top uh, 300 stocks. So very, very strong strength going on there. We did consolidate before we broke out uh, for a couple of weeks, which is a positive. I would suggest what we will do now is consolidate above this $20 area for another four, five, six weeks. And if we can do that without falling too far below $20, then I think we'll step higher again. But good solid trend going up there to the top side. One I really, really like. Another one, and disclosure, I do hold this one. This is Oz Minerals. OZL is the code. Uh, copper. Outlook is being materially upgraded. Earnings also materially stronger. Uh, We've got some organic growth through the prominent hill expansion later on this week. And again, I'm diverging into fundamentals. I'll have to go and see someone about that. Uh, In terms of momentum, solid trend um, from the March 2020 sell-off. Well, I think we were what, down sub $7. We're now above $22. Very strong, steady trend. The kinds of things we like to look for, hence why we're long. So we're at new decade highs. The last time we saw these kind of levels was back in 2009. It's the number one momentum stock in the ASX 100 and the number one momentum stock in the ASX 300. And that's precisely why I own it. I would probably expect some consolidation above that $21 for a couple of weeks before it steps higher. I would only get concerned if it break back down through sort of $17.50, $18 mark. But until then, with the information we have, trend is up. Okay, that's a bit of leeway there. Shows you how strong that trend actually is. All right, then, Stuart, time for you to tell us about your two stocks. Uh, um, And, uh, yeah, remember, folks, to pay attention, do your research, see if it aligns with your own tolerance to risk and investment objectives. Go for it, Stuart. All right, so our first one is a COVID vaccine winner, Webjet. Uh, Obviously, they had pain with COVID, but they did complete capital raise early on, which bolstered the balance sheet. Uh, They're currently burning through cash around 4.8 mil per month. Now that may be concerning, may sound concerning, but when you take into consideration they've got 283 mil cash 
balance. Uh, they're well and truly in a good position to weather the storm, even if it does roll on a little longer than expected. Uh, domestically, they are seeing a turnaround now, uh, obviously in that market. And then as the international borders begin to reopen towards the end of the year and next year, they should benefit from that as well. So we're looking as a time to position into a company that should benefit from that pent up demand rolling out. Uh, the second business is a more higher growth, higher risk company. Uh, it's a smaller one. The company's called Alcidian, A-L-C. Now it's a software with a suite of offerings to help hospitals run more efficiently. Uh, areas like patient monitoring, employee communications and bed allocations, all of these things can help hospitals run more efficiently, um, efficiently and also increase the level of care for customers. So their revenues have grown uh, from 2 mil in 2016 up to 18 mil in 2020. So it's a really rapid growth there. They're already on board with 63 healthcare organisations with 300 hospitals. Uh, clients include New South Wales Health, ACT Health, uh, NT Health, there's some New Zealand hospitals, and quite exciting for us is uh, the way they're going in the UK. So their primary offering, their bigger money offering, has two NHS trusts on board in the UK, uh, most recently being a five-year, $11 million contract. When you take into account that their total revenues uh, in 2020 are 18 mil, it does show that they're starting to get some big flow there. Uh, the encouraging prospect there also is they've got two on board, but there's actually around 223 NHS trusts over there. So if they can do well for those first two, it's very exciting for what they might be able to do if they can continue to pick customers up over there. So those are our two, Webjet and Alcidian. Yeah, and which is ALC, the code, and Nixa, BSL and OZL, of course. And we saw the light with Macro Capital, so go to macro.com. .au to learn more about their services today. Well, that's all we have time for today, folks. So on behalf of all of you, first, thanks to Stuart Bromley from Medallion Financial Group for your contribution today, mate. Thank you very much. And that's medallionfinancial.com.au. And, of course, to the great man, Nick Radge, who almost joined me on this side here from thechartist.com.au. Thank you for your contribution, and I'll be sure to send your hamster wheel. Uh, they tell me that's just as uh, good for the body as well, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, no, mate, uh, the thanks is all ours. Thank you. Tomorrow, well, I'm going to be back on the tools with the great man David Novak from Wealthwise Education as we try to make sense of the nonsensical. So you can tune in live, of course, but if you can't, just send us your questions early. Question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480 And yes, Greg, I'll get to that tomorrow. Sorry, you're a bit late. Um, as always, go to uh, the uh, website, sharewealthsystems.com to learn how they help investors every day. 16trades.com is the invitation for the website. Oh, sorry, for the white paper. That's a special website. And until tomorrow, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Y'all come back now, you hear? here.